Laura. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. Today, we continue our journey through the filmography of Judd Apatow with his highest grossing film as a director. It's 2007's Knocked Up. And we have no guest joining us to talk about big couple fights, baby books, and the miracle of life is no one. We, we mean us. it. Just us. We, yeah, it's just us. It's just us, this miniseries. Um, no guests. There's a couple of dueling genre dads I would have been interested in getting their their take on, but uh, that's what the Discord's for. Yeah. Plus, I, I don't know. I think this one is, I think this is interesting from the perspective, especially of like Seth Rogen, who is very like adamantly anti-kid, anti-being. Having, having them. Not, not yeah, right, right, right. Existence of um, yeah uh and 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 so like watching him in this movie and his character arc in this i i I guess i just never like when you get to the end of this movie i guess it never occurred to me like oh he's acting like he's like really (laughs) acting well yeah yeah because uh off off mic i think yesterday i sent you scott this video seth rogan was on the kelly clarkson show and was like i don't want kids don't want to believe him I'm just like crawling out of my skin watching that and hearing the audience just not say a word because it's I, I, and this is what I, I sent Scott in the DM. It's a daytime TV audience, the easiest audience in showbiz. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll applaud at the drop of a dime. And yeah. he was just like, yeah, like you know, my my wife Lauren and I, we don't you know, we love not having kids. We get to you know, do all the cool stuff we want. And the audience is just like, you you're not su- supposed to say that, man. Yeah, yeah. You could just hear a pin drop, and it is. Woof. Um. <laughs> uh, to Kelly Clarkson's credit, I think she's even at some point trying to be like, yeah, and you know, like, I think that's cool that you said that, Seth Rogen. Yeah. Some people aren't. She kept, you, you met, yeah, she wouldn't like change the subject and pivot to like no. anything else. But <laughs> I was just like, dear God, talk about anything else, please. Like, why are you here? Why, what are you, what are you, are you still talking about the Fablemans? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what he's there for. Oh, yeah, now that I think about it, yeah, like The Boys isn't back. Um, I don't know what he was promoting. Oh, Scott, you know what movie I just remembered existed this week? I haven't thought about it in literal years. Long Shot. Yeah. Remember Long Shot? I, it, it, it was up somewhere. It's good. I love it's that great. movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really makes you appreciate how far Seth Rogen has come mm-hmm. as. In a lot of different ways, because that is another that is literally a romantic comedy where Seth Rogen is his love interest is a quote out of his league. Right. Holly, Hollywood blonde, like movie star. Right. And right. in both those movies, the joke is kind of like, what's she doing with him? But like, right. The way those two movies, like almost a decade later, handle that theme is like really interesting. Yeah. And that's to say nothing of uh the Jay Baruchel starer, uh of she's course. out of my league. Yes. Without without Eve. 
Um, definitely an Apatow, a Tapatowian comedy. Yeah. And, uh, and, and of course, you know, super bad to a certain extent. For sure. Uh, came yeah. out the same summer as this. Yeah. Oh, wow. This came yeah, out this in like early June and super bad was like August. Wow. Wow. I, Wild. I remember this summer very vividly, Scott, you know, I'm starting to like, I look at my generation of like comedy nerds, like when I was in college, I, I started meeting kids my age from other parts of the country that also like obsessively watched 30 Rock and loved like NBC Thursdays, you know, and I don't think we appreciated how good we had it. Mm-hmm. That in one summer we could have like knocked up and super bad and hot rod. Mm. Like and like, I don't know the idea of like the big movie comedy. I watched the trailer for knocked up right before we recorded this because I remember the trailer and my Texas audience's big reaction to this trailer very yeah. vividly. Did you do, do you have a similar, cause you were up, you were up in Indiana at this point. Right. 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 Yeah. No, I remember, I remember seeing that trailer like all the time, like every time a shot from the trailer would come up in the movie, yeah. I'd be like, Oh yeah. Trailer yeah. trailer. What, watch out, yeah, Ben. She wants trailer. to rear your child. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of crazy. I don't think I could reconstruct the trailer by memory, uh, but I could probably get like 80% of the way there in terms of like having all of the clips and just like, these are, this is all the stuff that's in the trailer. How close am I? <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, for sure. And like thinking about where we are now with comedies and there's like good stuff coming out, the confidence of that trailer, um, not, not to skip to the end, but the last big laugh of the movie is Jay Baruchel opening the hospital room door and Catherine, uh, Catherine, I almost call her Catherine Bigelow, Catherine Heigl bellowing, get out. And he like breaks yeah. down. That's like 10 minutes, that's like three minutes before the end of the movie. Yeah, it's really close. Yeah. And it's in the trailer. And it's like, we, we, we know we have to drop this because this is like such a big moment. And I don't know, like it's such a stacked movie. It's so full of fun moments that they can just throw them out like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I, I do. I remember seeing this that summer because this was also the summer of the Dark Knight, right? Uh, Dark Knight was 08. Really? This because remember it was like that and Iron Man was like. Oh, that's like an, big. It's weird that it was that that and Iron Man, and then and then that and Avengers. Like that's weird. Um, the big um, summer, the big summer of like summer. Well, Spider Man three, of course. Yeah, this is Spider Man three. Right, right, right. I always, I don't know why I always think of 2007 as Dark Knight. Huh. Um, yeah. So this was like Spider-Man 3 summer. Yeah. Yeah, that makes Fan- sense. That Fantastic tracks, Four. I was definitely. Rise of the yeah. Surfer. Right, right, right. Because I was definitely working at Circuit City at this time. This is um, Circuit City. Yeah. And I was, I was working at Circuit City and I was, I had a roommate, the only roommate I ever had that was just like some guy. <laughs> like, yeah. like I couldn't even tell you what his name was now, like because it was that level of roommate. It's the only wow. time in my life, like I moved in with someone like I didn't really know, mm-hmm. um, and then he moved out like within a, like six weeks of moving in. Oh, okay, so not um, enough time to really like remember, like you no. get to know him. Yeah, right, right, right. No, not at all. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, this was like a weird. This is like my most sort of like stereotypical like twenties era. 
mm-hmm. um, was around this era, around the start of me podcasting, um, you know, because that was like 2006. So I'd already been doing that for a year, but this was still, you know, it was still fairly fresh. Yeah. You were like a guy. It was just getting off the ground. But yeah, I was I was just a guy working at a circuit city. Uh, I, I, I don't think I was still working at the factory as well. I think I was full time circuit city. And yeah, I would like go to people's houses and they'd be like, oh yeah, this is, I live here in a bunk bed. Uh, or someone lives down there and then there's two other rooms that also have bunk beds. There's like six of us all living in here and we play Guitar Hero or Rock Band or Halo or whatever. It was like that era. Yeah, there's always like one person whose like origins are unknown. Like you don't know how they got yeah. there. In that house in particular, there was like this like really old like overweight guy, you know, like the type that like kind of like walks on his tiptoes, you mm-hmm. know, like those kinds of guys. And then like I remember like a year and a half later and he was that guy. He was the guy that that was like kind of the mystery guy. <laughs> and then yeah. like a year and a half later, um, the, the, the girl that I was dating who lived in that house um was we like we're at like a Walmart and we saw like this guy like walks up to the uh, to us this like thin guy and is like hey guys what's up i haven't seen you in a long time we were like who who are you and it was that it was that big guy like wow. he literally lost like 150 pounds in like a year and but he was like the mystery guy and i was like god you're just adding to the to the mystery you're just that's adding <laughs> to the <laughs> that's crazy i had a roommate Back when I first moved out to L.A., that, you know, kind of very much like this. I lived in like this, like, I don't want to say it was shitty, but yeah, it was kind of a shitty Reseda house. Um, Yeah. This is the house where like the guy wouldn't. Yeah. Did you ever? Yeah, I remember. I remember. I remember trying to podcast when you were in that house. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. (laughs) What would it have been back then? Were we still doing Back to the Future? Yeah, that was still Back to the Future minute, I think. Crazy. Um, But yeah, so I would literally just. We'll talk about. It. I would literally go from my 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 house to the house where all my friends were, and then yeah, that that was the Ben Stone house and knocked up, you know. But right, I also had a roommate that I barely I didn't really know very well, um, and I lost totally lost contact with him, and I just found him on Instagram under like recommended like here's people you could follow, and <laughs> that's so weird, yeah, <laughs> and uh, also dropped a significant amount of weight and like got really into health and like is now like jacked wow and it's just weird how you know we we relationships are so ethereal at that time in our lives yeah yeah you hang with someone and then they're just gone you never hear from them again right right yeah yeah, it's it was it was a weird time. So like this really, this movie really spoke to me at the time. Well, this was like, oh yeah, I know these guys. I was having two like n- different nostalgia tunnels going on at once watching this movie. Uh, one was two thousand and seven, where sure. I was remembering like going to see this. I uh, so listeners, we mentioned uh, when Forty Year Old Virgin came out. I tried like to sneak into this one, and I couldn't ever catch it. When it was beginning, so I just ended up saying fuck it, and I watched it on like DVD or Blu-ray or HBO or whatever. Um, yeah, but this time, by the time the summer of two thousand seven came around, I knew I had to see this. This was an event. Yeah, uh, even though I wouldn't be able to review it as per my new laws as teen film critic. <laughs> yes, 
I, w- I was not yet allowed to review R-rated movies. Um, so I asked my sister-in-law uh, that. So listeners, just to catch you up, I don't know if I've said this. Uh, my brother is 17 years older than me. Right. So when he was in college, I was a baby. Mm-hmm. So he met his now wife, like, you know, a year or two into college. So by the time I was a baby, she was already in the picture. So she's like been in my life my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's like my kind of cool sister-in-law, aunt, big sister. Uh, we saw The Departed together <laughs> the year before this. <laughs> That's good. So I asked her, I was like, hey, like, do me a solid. Will you go with me to see this? I am I am but a lad. I can't, I can't go by myself yet. And uh, so, like, I've, I, I have a warm, like, it's a lot of, I have, like, because uh, we're just laughing our asses off and just kind of like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> They're saying penis and shit and fuck. And, like, we're laughing about it. Um, <laughs> but then, like you said, Scott, uh, this is, like, a, like, frozen in amber, this, like, period, this stretch of my 20s that you were there for kind of the tail end of when yeah. I was just, my life was in free fall. I was just... <laughs> smoking weed and watching like watch bojo videos with my friends and like uh-huh. playing like cornhole out in the yard and like going to the beach and just like wasting the days away not knowing that like a global pandemic was about to come and like kick all of our asses uh-huh and so yeah just a lot of different memories and emotions watching this like uh pretty like well, I found this good, really cool New York Times article about kind of the ethos and philosophy of this movie, but kind of a, like a family values conservative comedy when you get down to it. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, in a very roundabout way, but yeah. So yeah. the uh, the article in question was written in 2007 around like the, the promotional campaign for Knocked Up. It was called Judd Apatow's Family Values, written by Stephen Roderick. And I'm bringing this up now because it also kind of ties into stuff that we tried articulating in 40-year-old version, but this article did a good job of. So, okay, the Roderick, he makes the point of like, okay, look, 40-year-old version, knocked up. Both movies about kind of, in different ways, slacker, loser, arrested development guys who have to put away childish things, whether it's action figures or weed or your, you know, your goofball friends, and grow yeah. up and start a family and be a real grown up. Yeah. And uh, after like, you know, it's one of those articles where the Arthur like follows Apatow around for a couple days. And that kind of, he, he is kind of that dude where even though as profane and neurotic as he is with his comedy, he kind of is like just an old fashioned, like loves his wife. Doesn't even like uh, Adam McKay told this anecdote in the article. Where he would be like, Oh, check out that girl. She's hot. And Jen Apatow be like, you're married. You shouldn't look, you should love your wife. <laughs> He's a wife wow. guy. Even before yeah. that was a term. I mean, I mean, shit. Look who he's married to. <laughs> yeah. Who would uh, be a wife guy? And uh, yeah, and and so, um. Oh, and then another thing I really wanted to bring up about comedy and like where comedy was back then, and because yeah. this is you know this is like a fifteen year old movie. It's our job, Scott, as as millennials, to pass this history on. <laughs> yes, because we were there. Yeah. Uh, Comedy in the 90s was very much uh, pointed outward at the world. It was like Jim Carrey versus everyone else. Right. Sure. Bill Murray. Everyone's a dummy but me. Sure. I'm going to like put I'm going to walk into a room and control it and like, you know, blah, 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 be a big, crazy character. And what Apatow did was point the camera at himself. Hmm. 
like his care his characters are the jokes. They are self-deprecating. They aren't Ace Ventura or Austin Powers. They're Ben from Knocked Up. Right. Right. They are always like the biggest like joke in the room. And everyone else is kind of just like trying to and I don't know. I hadn't heard it articulated that way. And when you look at like the comedy that was to come out of this, like she's out of my league. Or uh there was this crazy factoid in the article where as of two thousand and seven, in two thousand starting in two thousand and seven, a movie that was either written, directed, or produced by Judd Apatow was hitting theaters at a rate of one every three months. Wow. Like wide release, like theatrical movies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people got tired of it quick. Yes, people got tired of this movie quick. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there was there was a there was a big backlash to this movie. I remember that. Yeah. I'm excited to get um, into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, where I, I don't want to I don't want to go into history. But what, what, what's your thoughts on like that? What this did for comedy and kind of like that sea change? Like, how do you feel about that in retrospect? Um, I mean, it's. It's cool. I mean, it was it was a it was definitely a a uh, period of time where like all comedy was sort of doing that because we'd we'd graduated from the alt comedy stuff and that had e- that had become less mainstream and so then you get stuff like Tim and Eric, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's where that's where that lived now was in like Adult Swim, you know, at like right. twelve thirty at night, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all like super low budget or whatever. And so that's where all that's what alt comedy grew into. And the mainstream comedy became this. And yeah, like that, it goes, it, it's the same for, for stand up, right? Because like Dane Cook was done at this point or like on his way out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the people that were like starting to rise up and replace them or people like, you know, unfortunately, I have to say his name, Louis C.K. Who was right. very look inward, self deprecating. He mm-hmm. was the stand up equivalent of what this movie is doing. Essentially. Sure. Yeah. His character, his shell, because we now know how much of that was a facade of like, right. I- I'm, right. A, I'm a bumbly every man. I say the right. worst stuff. I don't, I, I don't keep any secrets. No skeletons in this closet. I talk about all right. Of right. Um, right. But that was his persona. No, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and, and, like, and, and that's was... what people, that's what people liked about him. You mm-hmm. know, uh, when he was at his most popular. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah, that was definitely a thing. And now I think we're. I don't know. I think we're in another like tumultuous, tumultuous mm-hmm. period in comedy where we're not sure where we're leaning quite yeah. yet in, well, in, the, in terms of where we're going. Well, it's so interesting because like the what I love about this movie and what made such a big impression upon me as a teenager, I was like going into my sophomore year of high school when this came out. Yeah. Is how personal it was. Uh, a lot of this movie is literally like stuff that uh, that uh, Judd Apatow and Leslie Mann dealt with during their own like process of having their first daughter. And mm-hmm. it's kind of that old adage of storytelling where like the more specific you get. And even though that feels weird, like, well, no, I can't just tell them what happened in my life. But the more specific you get, the more universal it gets. And you can... Mm-hmm. I remember watching this even as a teenager and really seeing my family and the people in my life in this movie a lot. Yeah. Um, but now we have, and I don't mean this in a bad way. We have TikTok and Twitter. If I right. want like 
a good relatable laugh. I can just like open up my phone or my laptop. Right. And now, cause like, I, I think I've said this in other podcasts where like, Oh, well you can't do 21 jump street on TikTok, And you know, you know, movies, you know, movie comedies, that's the future, but watching knocked up. I'm like, God, I really miss seeing a, a movie like this in a theater. Yeah. Yeah. And us all big that's... laughing collectively at these universal things, like not wanting to have sex with your husband or like the right. mind, the mind games that couples play with each other, you know? Right. What? Cause like, what was the last like studio comedy that was, that was like this? Like, cause, cause you can't even count something like big sick because that was an indie that was bought by a studio. Yeah. This is a big a big relatively i mean in terms of like promotional campaign you know like right this was right. seen as like one of the big summer releases i don't and I, I didn't check the budget um but this made 200 million yeah it was 25 25 and 25 and it made 220 and you know there's never like any even compared to 40 year old virgin there's no like big gross out i mean there is at the, but it's a very realistic gross out sequence um, yeah it's not like I took too many boner pills and there's a llama and the <laughs> the superintendent is here, you know. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Like this is uh I think you've seen a few more Albert Brooks movies than I have, right? Maybe? I don't know. Have, have you just seen uh um Defending Your Life? I've seen Defending Your Life and I've seen Mother. Okay. You haven't seen like Love Story? No. Okay. Um, no, I haven't seen his early stuff, and I don't. I don't know. I. I. I think I'll, I'll be honest. I think I love defending your life and mother so much that I'm afraid to watch his other ones because then I lose one because he only has like uh, five. Oh right, yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. so like, like as soon as I watch one, I've watched it, and then I have even less. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've always been. I've been. I've been putting them. I. I I'll get to them eventually. It's just I. I'm. I'm worried no um, sure i've never we, yeah we've talked about this i've never seen the last episode of pushing daisies right yes exactly it's exactly that only only worse because i've only seen two episodes right. yeah i feel like if um, i'd only seen two episodes of pushing daisies <laughs> yeah no i, I don't want to watch anymore because i know that i'll get to the end eventually can't top this <laughs> um, yeah but I I loved this. I I don't think I brought this up, Scott. I may have laughed out loud, maybe maybe twice during Forty Year Old Virgin. Uh huh. I was having a fun. I was like, oh, I remember liking this. But like, like actual like alone like laughing, like yeah. But th- I was just having a ball watching this. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a few shifts that I think happen in this one. Yeah. Um, which is that this one isn't mean. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very kind-hearted, and it's 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 a very mature movie about immaturity. Um, and so you have things where they're like, okay, well, obviously these guys need to like rag on each other, but like, how do we rag on them without we just like pointing out things? So like the last movie, right? We had that whole discussion about the, the about the trans uh, uh pro- the sex worker, right? Mm-hmm. And how troubling that scene was because of the improv in it led them to make like really ugly jokes Mm -hmm. right but instead of having a trans person to focus on they're like i want you to make all of your jokes about this guy's beard (laughs) yeah about martin's beard our friend martin that which is 
absolutely fucking harmless. It's yeah. not hurting anybody. You know, it's not like it's fine. Just and and we'll make it a plot point of why you guys are doing it. And we're going to you're all just going to hyper focus. And like yeah. every, every scene that he's in, you got to get at least one in. <laughs> yeah. You know, God, I it, as I'm thinking, this is such a, a, a leap forward. I think, again, in confidence of like compared to 40 year old virgin, which felt very much of the time, like a 2000s raunchy comedy. Like, yeah. Remember that scene where like Steve Carell and Romany Falco like hug, but they have to like add that like gay joke at the end. Right. I think about the scene at the very end where Ben comes out of the hospital room and he's like, it's a girl. And like, they're so happy. And yeah. It's such a beautiful, like lovely moment of this, of this positive friend group. And like, there's yeah. no, he's confident enough appetite at this point to be like, I don't need a joke. I can just play out this moment naturally. Yeah. And they all, they all say like, we're having a baby. Like yeah. they're, they're like, we are having a baby. Like you can't leave Jonah Hill. Like <laughs> yeah. we are having a baby. You have to be here for this. Yeah. And like, there's something yeah. very heartwarming about that, even though they've like, you know, gave each other pink eye by farting on each other's faces and <laughs> their pillows. Their yeah. pillows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh. Yeah. And there's a, yeah, just a lot. But like you said, like uh, there's a wisdom to this movie that, that I think four year old virgin had like flashes of, that I noticed. Um, yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't as focused as this one is like this yeah. one really feels like it has something to say. Whereas 40 year old virgin really felt like, Hey, I've got this character from this improv scene that I did once mm -hmm. that I really like. Let's write a movie around him. And it's like, okay. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like I think, I think this one has, I mean, it'll be interesting to see when we revisit that one, but I think this has more in common with, or, or 40 year old virgin has more in common with train wreck because mm. it is a personality that, you know, he's, yeah. he's not making a movie that he like necessarily um, feels in his bones the mm. way that this one, this one and the next two, I think are Judd Apatow, like feeling those movies in his bones. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I think his next three movies are basically like almost like albums where yeah. you think about a musician of like, I, I literally like made the last like five years of my life into a script of like, yeah, this is me doing working through stuff. But then the other half of this filmography is I'm so in love with this voice, this co comedian, I'm going to write right. a movie for them. Right, right. And so like, I don't think there was anything that he was trying to get off his chest in in 40 year old virgin it yeah. was just like oh this will be a fun situation and then you kind of have to like carry those things to their logical conclusion and i think the unfortunate truth about 40 year old virgin is like the conservative the very conservative ending is like yeah i mean there's really no other ending for a guy who's a virgin and 40 years old like there's right. no there's no other satisfying end because if he just has sex it's like okay you right. Know? Like, because I think yeah. what happened with what Apatow, Apatow took that idea from Corell or with Corell, you know, because Corell wrote it and added that heart of like, well, I don't want it to just be like Van Wilder or right. Eurotrip. I want him to actually have like an emotional arc. I want it to be about emotions. But and, you know, like kind of the him working to earn his wife, working to like earn this partnership the way Andy has to earn Trish and Ben has to earn 
Allison. It's like everything that I liked about 40 year old virgin, he just carries over into this movie, but makes it even more personal and even less sketch, you know, sketchy. You know what I mean? Pun yeah. intended. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I, I uh, did watch the commentary, watch the movie, did some research. So I have a lot of insight, but I really like that you mentioned Apatow's kindness. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a there was a Paul Feig a quote of a quote that Paul Feig mentioned was like Apatow as a writer reminds me a lot of there's this George Bernard Shaw quote um, all men mean well mm-hmm. that was sort of Shaw's personal ethos at least towards like his writing and Feig was like I think that's kind of Apatow's like view in life and with movies is like he doesn't write a lot of villains right you know what else came out in 2005 I don't think we brought it up was Wedding Crashers Right. And like, yeah. you know, Bradley Cooper in Wedding Crashers is like a villain. Yeah. That dude, that, sorry, that dude does not exist in real life. Right. So like, right. The idea of that dude being in like any Judd Apatow movie just doesn't feel right. Right. That's true. Yeah. That is, I mean, Wedding Crashers feels like a return to like, like a like an eighties sex comedy, definitely you know? like, like a Belushi Aykroyd, like a hundred percent, yeah, mm. yeah, <laughs> um, or like a Meatballs or you know yeah. Stripes kind uh, of thing. The writer, uh, the New York Times writer, followed the crew while they were shooting the Vegas stuff, so he got to like hang out with them while they were like in Vegas, like Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen and whatnot. And yeah. th- they just were like they had no interest in any of the sex and drugs that was going on. Yeah, like there was like Paul Rudd did this bit where Treat Will he was pretending that Treat Williams was calling him on his phone for like an hour. <laughs> wow, like yeah, these aren't like this isn't like John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd like rock star comedians. These are like dorks. Yeah, yeah. And- I I also think this is the movie that made Paul Rudd Paul Rudd. He is fucking. He aces this movie. Yeah. This is this might be yeah. peak Paul Rudd. Honestly, it, it's so funny because when they announced this is forty, I remember thinking, "Really? Why? Sure. Like, why are they spinning off those characters? Like, okay." Watching it now, I'm like, "Oh, because they're the best part of this fucking movie. <laughs> That's why you do it." Absolutely, <laughs> Pete and Debbie forever. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, I every every God, uh, so. Uh, in the commentary, uh, Apatow said he knew that he like had done like oh I knew uh, uh, Rudd and Man were going to work well as a couple because the way that Paul Rudd would argue, Pete would argue when they would riff, would drive Leslie Mann like fucking insane. <laughs> and she calls out of the movie of like oh you just pretend not to care about anything and you're just up detached from everything and you're stuck leaving me as like the one caring about everything. And he's like yeah pretty much like fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, and and that dynamic I can just see over and over again for like two whole movies. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh man, he's <sighs> like he's one of our great screen dads, Paul Rudd. I think so. Yeah, like no, I I, I don't I don't think you're wrong, but but he is one of our great screen dads, but he's not a good dad in any no day. no no yeah, <laughs> Ant Man not a great dad. <laughs> Yeah, Pete, but he uh, but he's trying. He's, yeah, he's like I I know this guy. I know this. This is like a guy I know trying to be a dad. Yeah, 
Um, and I think a key, a key to that and something that this movie is, uh, another thing this movie is well known for is, you know, Apatow's whole family is in this. Right. Leslie Mann plays Debbie, Maude Apatow and Iris Apatow play the kids. Yeah. And uh, Apatow's reasoning for that in 07 was he was like, ah, I hate it when I'm watching a movie and I see a family in a kitchen and it just looks so unrealistic. Like these kids have like that, that adult has never had to like handle this kid or touch this kid. Like, right. It's just like, hello. Hey, son. Hello, sister. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) So he's like, oh, I'll just like, I know I want Leslie man. I know. I know I want my wife to play Debbie. So I'll just cast the kids. And also Paul Rudd, is like a family friend like yeah and seth rogan as well they, they have both like been there since like iris apatow and Maude apatow were babies so this the way paul rudd gets the kids into the van or yeah just feels so much more realistic than your average comedy that's very true that is very true yeah. like the, the way you can just spontaneously just start blowing raspberries at them just yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no absolutely uh and yeah i guess like not a lot of behind the scenes just that you know uh, four-year-old version was a big hit and going into his second movie knocked uh, apatow just seemed like i don't think i need like a a hook i think i could just tell the story of an unexpected pregnancy uh a a couple who's uh, you know like a coming of age story happening while someone is pregnant right right yeah uh rogan said he had rogan apatow said he had this moment at one point where he was like oh my god as an adult you build up this defense mechanism to where you don't take part in the world you just comment on it you know yeah steely bian can gargle my balls who cares about matthew fox yeah 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 and then all of a sudden he was like oh my god i'm gonna have a kid i have to attach like I have to take part in this because if I raise a kid with this thing on my back, it's going to, the kid is going to copy me and then I'm going to fuck up the kid. Yeah. So he was like yeah. on this heroic mission to kind of like earn adulthood in time for this like big benchmark in his life. Right. Right. It's that aspect of it is really good. I will say that if I, if I have a criticism of this movie, um, it is, that Catherine Heigl doesn't have an arc. She's mm-hmm. fully complete at the beginning. There is no, the only thing that she has to get over is that like, she's becoming a mom with like a doofus. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and like, and uh, she like learns that she shouldn't have been lying to her bosses because they would have been like on her side the whole time, Yeah, which is like also very conservative way of looking at <laughs> Yeah, at, at things about at like corporate America. Mm-hmm. This really um, is like the Lynch. This and Funny People are both kind of like he after Funny People. He tries really hard to fight the bro charges, mm-hmm. and you see him like you know he he executive produces girls, he directs Trainwreck. Yeah, he starts making these moves. But you're totally right, Scott. Like Allison is kind of just like a straight line. Yep, and I debate. You know, multiple people, critics, cast members of the film, have have argued that the the women in this movie are depicted as shrews and like mm. ki- killjoys. And no, I disagree no, with that because they're right. 
they're yeah. right. Yes, they're right. That's the thing. It's <laughs> like they they they're 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 correct, which is which is a whole that's a that's a that's a trope in mm-hmm. in in male comedy stuff. Yeah. Of like the women act like that, but they're right, so then it's okay, right? right. That 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 they're that way because they were right and mm-hmm. and like they should grow up and get over it and you know stop being a, a jerk off like whatever yeah but 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 it doesn't make the the, the female characters any more interesting no. them being right doesn't make them interesting and like <laughs> I mean I I love Debbie I'm gonna I'm gonna fan out about Debbie the whole podcast but oh yeah uh, uh, totally but totally from like a writing <sighs> standpoint and also like going back to like Apatow the wife guy like yeah why would i not i married a leslie man i had like she's a genius why would i of course she's gonna play debbie you know yeah and i think i i relate to this even like not being married of like and with allison being kind of a proxy for real life leslie man yeah it's almost like as a writer he's not able to really get into their interior lives and make their shit messy yeah because maybe subconsciously he's like well they're perfect like my wife is perfect she saved. She's fucking awesome. So like, she's yeah. she's steady like a rock and roll movie, and she's just like right. taking damage from all angles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, she never gets like a a moment, like an arc where she's like, "Oh, I've been doing this wrong the whole time," you know? Right. <clears throat> yeah, because like, uh, because just like in Forty Year Old Virgin, with with uh, Catherine Keener, Trish. Catherine Keener, there are too many, too many Catherines. I can't, oh, yeah. I keep, there's, I, I'm like, I, I there's so many famous Catherines that I'm like, I, I can't keep track of all of them. Yeah, I, I stopped, Keener. I stopped in the middle of my walk this morning because I was like, hey, Catherine, Catherine. Yeah, uh, Heigl, uh, Bigelow, uh, <laughs> Han. Um, uh, oh wow, yeah, yeah. So so uh, so Keener, right? Mm. Um, her her arc in that movie is the same. Like it is, uh, I'm dating a doofus and I'm trying to help him grow and and be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. Like that's 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 her whole thing in that movie. She's kind of got her life whole uh, figured out. Mm-hmm. And and it, it happens again with with Catherine Hunt. Like she even is like, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my job. And he doesn't even take that from her. <laughs> like he, she, she keeps her job the whole time. Right. Like there's no problem. And, and like she has a close call with Steve Carell, but that's about it. Well, it's so interesting because like I would say Allison way more than Catherine Keener. Yeah. Like Allison goes through it. Like yeah, the whole movie. I'm like God, this poor girl. Like yeah, fuck, man. Like she's never. But the thing is, right? She's never wrong. Right. Watching this now, and I, I think I even I definitely feel it more than I did in '07. But like she is right the whole movie, like yeah, all of her all of her disappointment and anger towards Ben to yeah. me watching this feels like totally justified. Yeah, the only time that she's not right is about her her job. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. That, that that that's kind of the only time that that she's wrong about anything. Um, like you could lose all of that, and this movie would be like. 10, 15 minutes yeah. shorter, and I don't think you lose anything, which isn't a good thing. No. No, no, and and uh, the only thing that you lose is is uh, Kristen Wiig is yeah Kristen Wiig who's incredible in oh, her two yeah. scenes, yeah. Um, <laughs> scary. <laughs> Ooh, God, yeah, I would have thought it was different than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this just this, <laughs> this was like 
I, I think we're still in prime Kristen Wiig. But, you know, this was like right when she was crushing SNL, but like before Bridesmaids. So it was just like, right. She was she still felt <clears throat> like a secret weapon at this point. Yeah, the director of Bridesmaids is just an actor in this movie. Yeah, he's, um, he's one of the the fantasy baseball guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I don't really know how to fix her thing, because I think that this movie only works if one of them is really put together. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know how to, like... Like, I, I feel like her her arc almost has to be, like some issue that she has with her sister that she has to like, yeah, like fix a, like or mend, like something thing. that she's wrong about on that end of things. And, and Ben somehow inspires that change in her. Wow. You know what I just thought of? And I, I is a, a moment in this movie that really like sticks in my craw is yeah. there, there's a moment after the big fight where Ben comes to one of the kids' birthday parties, dressed like a cholo on Easter <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was watching this and I was like, Nick's gonna love that joke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll say it now in case I forget. Uh, that scene between Ben and Paul Rudd, where he's like, you're, Yeah, they shot a version of that scene that was a reprise of You Know How I Know You're Gay. Oh no, they, they thought cut that okay, yeah, that's good. They were like, Oh, it'll be it'll be like our thing, it'll be our, our reoccurring thing because it's like Rudd and Rudd and Rogan again. And, yeah, and then they were like, oh, "Okay, maybe, maybe not." Um, yeah, which is good. Yeah, yeah. but but <laughs> so later, later on in that scene, uh, Allison says outside in the backyard, "Like, look, I don't want to be like Debbie. She, her, and Pete. I don't want us to be like Pete and Debbie because they're wrong for each other, and she's gonna wake up every day. She has to wake up every day and fight and fight. And I don't want it to be that way." And I was like, "Fuck you, Pete and Debbie are Endgame." Like, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that could be a fun lesson for her to see firsthand, like, why Pete and Debbie work. Or, right. Like, oh, fuck, Debbie, right. I, I could learn something from her. Not as, like, being a good wife or whatever, but, like, oh, marriage. Like, yeah, that's it. That's what her arc needs to be, is that she has her whole life figured out solo on her own, but she has no idea what a, a healthy relationship looks like. Yeah. And so, like, she sees Ben, and she's like, "This isn't. (laughs) This this isn't good, you know." Um, And then, and then realizing, like, and and because she like thinks that that's wrong, like Mm -hmm. that 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 Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann are wrong, and and so you know, coming to that realization, that maturity is something that you can have a professional maturity and a life maturity, and not know that yeah. not know that marriages aren't perfect you know there's that really interesting part at the beginning of the big car fight where <laughs> allison's like i can't pete, he, you know that was like the most selfish thing i've ever seen pete is a fucking asshole i can't that level of betrayal it's like she, she goes so hard on pete and yeah it's kind of the only time it's like this is interesting this is kind of allison this is a character yeah yeah like, i wish there was more of that i do wonder because i've always heard stuff about everyone's vibe not vibing with katherine heigl or on this movie i did i did um, i did a little bit of research into that yeah um, i've i've heard that people like did not vibe with her or she was like not into like everyone else's vibe or whatever i don't see it on screen at all yeah. like at all i, I think she's not- really great in this movie but but I wonder if the reason why maybe that stuff isn't as developed is because they just 
you know, right. weren't vibing with her or what, whatever. What I was able to pick up from my research, was, I, I read nothing about onset awkwardness or conflict. Okay. Um, what I've gathered is, like, I think Catherine Heigl did an interview for Vanity Fair, I think, a year or so after the movie. Or maybe even the year, like, you know, the autumn or winter after the movie came out. And yeah. said the quote of like, yeah, it just kind of bummed me out how watching the movie, all the women are shrews and unlikable. And the guys get to be like goofy, lovable, which was what a lot of critics were saying at the time of the movie. Yeah. Um, and then Rogan and Apatow responded of like, oh, that's weird. I thought we were cool. Um, she didn't have a problem oh. when we were making the movie. That sucks. And then it tanked Heigl's whole career for like a decade. Yeah. People like right. really ironic, you know, people, you know, were like, ah, you know, you're a shrew. And had to like apologize. Yeah. And Rogan, you know, I think now in 2020, whatever, you know, last time they were asked these questions, uh, right. like everyone's cool. And if anything, Rogan was like, God, it sucked that that's that she didn't, that sucked that that happened, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't have Cause I think it was the combination of that article, their reaction to her quote. And then also that was right around the time when she was like, not renewing her contract at Grey's Anatomy and like leaving. Yeah. And, and have- so like everyone who watched that show was like, what the fuck? Like right. she just, she's leaving. She thinks she's too good for Grey's Anatomy. And it was that combined with that thing mm-hmm. where she's like, oh, she's too good for Grey's Anatomy and she's too good for Knocked Up. Fuck her. She has no loyalty, man. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. She'll, she'll stab She's just out for back. herself. She just wants to be a movie star. Yeah. yeah. It's because we turn on women, famous women so fast. It's, yeah. I'm starting to even see a little bit of it. At the time of recording, hopefully this is all like blown over or whatever, become a non-issue. But like Jenna Ortega for Wednesday, this she did this podcast where she was like, yeah, I like put my foot down a lot and was like, no, Wednesday's not going to do a fucking... Uh, uh, what's that thing where you where you do like a dance in the middle of nowhere and it's like spontaneous? Um, oh, flash mob. I don't know. Flash mob. Oh, flash mob. Okay. Yeah. Like that Wednesday dance <laughs> yeah. was originally going to be like, hey, let's all do it, too. And she was like, no. <laughs> no, no. She's going to be weird. <laughs> yeah. It's what you pay me to do. You pay me to be weird. And <laughs> so I was seeing like a smattering online of like, oh, who's this? little so-and-so thinking with her big she needs to be brought you know she's ungrateful blah 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 and it's like so weird how we keep doing this over and over again yeah yeah um but as far as like the chemistry though the chemistry charges i think right going back to long shot i think rogan for whatever i think rogan and theron have like much more chemistry than i i, I don't i don't mind heigl and rogan in this but like mm-hmm. i was watching this movie being like how would it be different if they just had bonkers off the wall chemistry you know i don't i don't think you'd want that for this story that's kind of the point you're right is that they're opposite they yeah don't work the yeah the whole point is that they're supposed to be mirroring paul red and leslie mann which they don't belong together he got her pregnant and he did the right thing and they got married and then they grew together mm-hmm. that's what you want um, because yeah. if you're mirror, if they're there's meant to be a mirror of them, then they they shouldn't have bonkers chemistry because that's missing the point. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Because like you know the the poster of this movie, and yeah. the, the joke because the forty year old version had that amazing poster of you know Steve Carell <laughs> smiling like a million bucks, and then the forty year old yeah. version, 
looking like slightly off center, like like yeah. a <sighs> yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah, like a uh, I don't know, like a yearbook photo or something. Yeah, like very glamour shot. And yeah, it was amazing. You know, you walk past that poster, you laugh, you smile, you're like, "What's this guy's story?" You know. Better late than I'm never. Find out next summer. Yeah. <laughs> the poster for Knocked Up was a big close-up of Seth Rogen's face looking vaguely embarrassed. Knocked up. And then the tagline was, what if this guy got you pregnant? Yeah. And so the whole point, the whole like joke of the movie, at least from like a, a, a elevator pitch standpoint, is like this schlubby, overweight stoner guy manages to get this like hot e personality pregnant and it's like yeah. they don't belong together at all right which is wild that he's supposed like i you know the memory the pop culture memory of seth rogan is that like oh yeah he used to be like really fat like really chubby and then like he lost all this weight and now he like he looks really good he's like maybe 20 pounds lighter than he is in this movie like <laughs> he's not he he's not big. He said he's like about two hundred pounds. I think. Yeah. At one point when he's having sex, he's like, "I weigh over two hundred pounds. I don't want to fucking." Yeah. I don't want to crush the baby. Crush yeah. The baby. Um. But like, he's not huge in no. this movie at all. He. And I think this is like the unhealthiness of movies. Is he's just a regular yeah. dude. He's just a regular guy. There, oh, there, there's a, on the Blu-ray. There's uh, because you know, two thousands Blu-rays were just bonkers with stupid no reason extras that cost who knows how much yeah. money. Um, yeah, they did this thing called sh- uh, topless scenes, and I was like, "What's this about?" And the joke is that it's a regular scene of the movie, but Seth Rogen doesn't have a shirt on. Oh, and no one's commenting on it. Oh, and I'm like, "Oh, was I was the joke back in '07? Like, oh, they're gonna think it's a bunch of topless scenes, but then the joke will be it's me not having my shirt on." Yeah. And I was like, this is why yeah, I had Leslie body Mann image issues him, my whole life. Yeah. Leslie Leslie Mann calls him man boobs at one yeah. point. I was like, he does not. God. That whole that uh, yeah, that whole rip. He has a he has a normal, unathletic chest. He does not have man boobs. <laughs> that whole that whole run though was making she was just like, look at him. He can't even get out of that little house. <laughs> just just sniping him, him from play, afar. Him playing play fetch, fetch with that kid is is one of the fucking funniest things I've ever seen. Fetch. <laughs> Go get it. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, that is like, yeah, that is a guy that is a 23-year-old that has like never had to interact with children before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> and the fact that the girl, that the little girl is doing it yeah. is the funniest part. <laughs> Without it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So uh but the thing about uh Allison, according to my research, or or actually no, actually Apatow said this in the commentary, over sixty actresses were read for the part of Allison. Yeah. Uh Anne Hathaway was attached, signed on, ready to go. Um Apatow had this plan to shoot footage of a live birth. And use it for the birthing scene. Uh-huh. And then Hathaway was like, no, that feels weird. You're going to, like, film an actual birth? Like, I don't know. That's, yeah. I don't like that. That's weird. And then they ended up not doing it anyway. Yeah, they went with, like, prosthetics or mm-hmm. whatever, like a fake thing. Uh, so yeah. this would have been, like, 
For, oh, same summer. What a magn- what a wonderful summer. This would have this was the summer of Devil Wears Prada. So that era of right. Hathaway. Uh, yeah, I think she made the right choice to go mm-hmm. do Devil's Devil Wears Prada. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So long list of unconfirmed names as possible. Allisons include Renee Zellweger, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, Uma Thurman, Claire Danes, Juliette Lewis. All turned it down either due to scheduling or just not wanting to do it. I of everyone that you named, mm-hmm. for some reason, the one that popped for me was uh, <laughs> Cameron Diaz, dude. Yeah, because I because again, I think you need somebody that is like a Catherine Heigl type for this movie to work. Yeah, Cameron Diaz is total Catherine Heigl type. Um, in fact, I think Catherine Heigl basically usurped the t- kinds of movies right. that that Cameron Diaz was doing. Um, but I I like the age difference for this. Yeah, like she, dude. The idea of like, yeah, Cameron Diaz still staying at her sister's house, like sleeping. Yeah, that's right. kind of like, oh, who's that girl? Like, what's her story? Yeah, see, that that's already like a little more interesting. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, um, couldn't help but th- 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 this stuck in my craw. Maybe I'm making a mountain out of it. I don't know. But I was like, okay, uh, Scott, what's a movie that Cameron Diaz and Drew Barrymore were in together? Charlie's Angels. Scott, who else was in that movie with Lucy Cam- Lou? Where was her? Where was her audition? I don't know. She'd been a great Allison. What? Yeah, yeah, she would have been. She's good at a rom com too. Set Watch up. set it up on Netflix, everybody. It's I, I was um, that was a moment where I'm like, oh, if that movie was getting made now, hopefully she would have at least gotten an audition. But it's just like, wow, they were they didn't even probably think of Lucy Liu or no. like Regina Hall, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Christina Aguilera was offered the part. This would have been her, her offered, <laughs> or like I think uh, auditioned and made her way through. Like was going to was wow. in, was in talks. But she had to turn it down because she had a promotional al- an album to promote. Wow, I mean, okay, that would have been distracting if uh, Paul Rudd worked as like a music guy, and then like Christina Aguilera's a sister in law. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would have been distracting. That, that would have been really distracting. Um, um I want to mention something that that has stuck in my craw ever since I found out about this knowledge please. and. I'm sorry if 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 those of you listening don't know this knowledge. I'm sharing this knowledge because it's been in my head and it is uh it's it's rough knowledge and but okay. I feel like I need to share it because I think it's the kind of thing that everyone knows. Cuz you know, we all have these sayings that like sometimes we just say these phrases, these turns mm. of phrases, we don't know where they come from, right? Yeah. Um, and then sometimes you find out where they come from and the history of that turn of phrase is the most horrifying thing that you've ever heard of. Um, and this is the case with knocked up. Mm. Uh, that is a term that, uh, that, um, uh, uh, slave auctioneers would use for, uh, pregnant slaves because they would knock up the price because it was two for the price of one. Um, and the fact that this movie is called that, with like just, just like it just didn't even occur to them to like where does that turn of phrase come from? Why do we say that? Um, yeah, no, that's it. it re- 
It really, it really bugs me that that's the name of this movie. Yeah, that's that's yeah. No, thank you for thank you for for sharing that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, thank you. A, I'm sorry, I was a little bit distracted because you reminded me of uh, uh, I I I use I use the phrase up the river sometimes. Mm. And I was just like, "What's where's that from? That sounds like it might have a a, a, scare, a sad meaning," and yeah. and so it originally referred to Sing Sing Prison. Oh, um, sure, because we use that in Geek by Night a couple times. Yeah, and so I was just like, "Right, eh, what is that? I never Google. I never looked up what that means." You know, like, <laughs> we just yeah, we just say, but that's that's yeah, and like that the, yeah, they never looked it up. Um, <laughs> this movie is yeah. not called Knocked Up anywhere outside of America, though. Oh, what's it called everywhere else? Um, there is a lot of weird ones. In China, I think it's called One Night Big Belly. <laughs> That's what they should have just called it. <laughs> One That's night. Everywhere. Big Belly. <laughs> Seth Rogen. The poster is like, you know, profile of Katherine Heigl, the belly. Yeah. Whoa, no. Uh, yeah. I mean, they could have called it like One Night Pregnancy or something like that. One Night um, Pregnancy. Or, or yeah, I don't know, like like one night stand, but I mean, before I knew the origins of Knocked Up, I thought it was a, a perfectly succinct title, but um, you know, yeah, you've really, you really, uh, you really, it follows that information. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, yeah, no, but I it makes it, it makes total. It, it's like, the ki- yeah, it's the kind of thing where it's like it's like now everyone listening to this knows, and now no one will use this turn of phrase ever again. Right? Yeah, you know? and you, then hopefully it'll fall out of 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 you know popular use. Right. We have to fight. We have to power through that awkwardness sometimes. Yeah. You know, yeah. we can't just not like. Oh, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say anything. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Um. Anyway, <laughs> there were a couple moments, you know, I think we mentioned in four year old version, like, you know, the 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 transphobia was like, whoa, I don't remember this at all. Um, don't remember Debbie being an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> that was that was nuts because it's so throwaway. Yeah, because I'm sure it was just like a throwaway joke about like Orange County moms. Yeah, for sure. Like reading too much stupid bullshit, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, that's literally what he's referring to is like her reading too much stupid bullshit yeah. and believing it all. But, um, but it's tr- I mean, the, the throwaway nature of it is shocking. Like, don't vaccinate the kids. Don't don't put mercury in the water. Da, 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 da. <laughs> God, now I needed this is fifty to know like where Debbie stood, you know, during the whole lockdown situation. The the problem is. I don't think I don't think either Paul Rudd or Leslie Mann want to star in a movie called This Is Fifty. Right <laughs> they're now. like, nope. Just, d- despite their actual ages, they're like, no, I'm still playing in my forties. Like, I'm not ready yeah. to go there yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's this part. Uh, there's this part later on where Debbie's like, oh, fucking Pete, he's gonna get hotter with age, and I'm gonna get older. And I'm like, nah, you both, you both got the rich people genes. Yeah, you both look great. <laughs> Have an age today, yeah. Movie movie full of baby faces though, man. Um, yeah, ba- baby Seth Rogen, baby Jonah Hill. I mean, li- yeah. I mean, literal babies. Uh, the Apatows, ba- baby Jay Baruchel, baby Jay Baruchel. Now, 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 playing the creator of the Blackberry. <laughs> That's yeah, in a in a crazy white wig. <laughs> I think looking really looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, Jay, Jay Baruchel deserves a wig era. Uh, yeah, what's that yeah. on? What's that going to be on? Is that a show? It's a, uh, I can't tell it's a movie because okay. it premiered at South by Southwest. Oh, okay. That's um, why I haven't. 
I see that. Yeah, image. I don't remember where it's going. I, um, I can't remember. I don't know if it's an Apple joint or what it is. I know we we talked last week about how Andy from Forty Year Old Virgin had a lot. I had a lot of I'm in this picture and I don't like it moments. Um, yeah, I I I relate to parts of Ben, but I think the person in this movie that I I am the most like or was the most like when I was this age is Jay. Mm. Like just big hearted, but a total dumbass about it like no idea what he's doing yeah. but like we're gonna yeah. have this baby together i love you bro we're gonna do this and like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah i mean that house is a miracle of production design and how authentically it, is that the is that the same house from silicon valley i swear <laughs> it is oh uh, yeah martin star was like hey i just own this house yeah i don't know i barely um, watched any silicon valley Oh, Martin Starr in this movie is uh, he is one of our most underrated character actors mm-hmm. because no one I, I feel like no one talks about how different he is in everything. I mean, like there's that shot in the end credits where you see him cradling the baby after he shaved. And yeah, he looks like a totally yeah. different dude. Yeah, but he, he's acting like a totally different dude. Like this guy, like Martin is a dude in this where mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I know this guy. Yeah. Like this was the guy that hung out in every group and would just sort of like on the edge. Hey, man. Yeah. Didn't really talk very much, but he was part of the group and everyone like like liked him and, you know, talked. And you would hear stories about how each guy would have like a long conversation with that guy like late at night and, yeah. and you you'd hear like these stories about how he's like wise or something i slept till 5 a.m talking to martin outside yeah and you're like what really yeah. like what, what what you guys talk about yeah um <laughs> there's a couple of quotes in this movie that i say a lot in my, in my life fuck me in the beard is yeah. one of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, fuck me in the beard <laughs> But I just love how instantly over it yeah. he is. Like the the, yeah. the the beard jokes. Everybody gets in one as soon as the bet starts, and he's just like, "Oh, oh come on, man! What? We can't. We you can't do this to me. Like this was supposed <laughs> to be easy." And they're like, "What?" And I Apatow's decision of uh, much like casting, you know, his his wife and children at, in the movie. He was like, "Well, I hate it when friend groups don't feel like a real friend group." All of Seth's real friends are actors I think should be bigger, like yeah. Jason Siegel and Jonah Hill and Martin Starr. So I'll just have him play his friends. And like the camaraderie, even compared to 40-year-old Virgin, is just so like I you you feel like you've been in that group. You know these guys. Yeah. I think I think you know, as much as I do like I love and hate all these guys, yeah. right? For for different reasons. I will say that the one standout where I'm just like, God, every time they're on screen, it's the best is Charlene Yee as Jody. Oh, yeah. Jody is the fucking best. Like, I forgot about like Charlene Yee's whole thing. Yeah. You just, know? Just and so when she showed there. up, I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, Charlene Yee. And she's like doing her thing and like the 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 laughing, like she's she's mm. always too high. Mm. Oh, well, you know, yeah, like well, that's that's her character um, in this movie. <laughs> I I did learn researching this movie. Uh, I don't think I do this at the time. Uh, Charlene Yee ident- identifies as gender fluid and uses they them pronouns. Um, oh, okay. Um, but and also, I think they really take the bullet because, like you said, they're the only ones that are acting. That is how a high person acts, uh-huh. and, it's, and it's not funny. They're not funny. <laughs> no, like 
their riffs are like actually like the high bullshit that you have to like hear people say, you know? Yeah. But yeah. And, and Jody, that, they do that thing about like, about like when, when, when they're talking to Catherine Heigl about being pregnant and they're like, Oh, that's weird. That's going to hurt a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like it keeps stealing your food and it's like, Oh, it's my food. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jody, or is it Jody or Jovi? I think it's Jody. Jody, uh, Jody. Jody is perfect. We were talking about earlier of just like, you know, that person where you're like, where the fuck did they come from? Like, yeah. And then yeah. Like, an hour into the movie, you're like, oh, okay. Jody's dating Martin. That's what this is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really love subtly like low key scumbag Jason Siegel. Yeah. Um, where he writes. Yeah. He's kind of smooth sometimes. Yeah. And you're like, oh no, you're a fucking, you're a scumbag. Yeah. 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 There he's he is like he's that line from 40 year old 40 year old virgin uh where where uh Steve Carell is like uh you know I I love women. I respect yeah. women. That's why I never go near any of them or talk to them. He is like I love women. I respect women. That's why I'm always around them and always talking to them. <laughs> and like <laughs> Just his way of like, and I guess it's kind of cool knowing that it's like, you know, now Jason Siegel's like, oh, this is a character because this is like so not yeah. Marshall or right. Jason or forgetting because just the way he enters the scene and every time he like meets Debbie again, he's like, hey, Deb, or like, oh, hey, Allison, yeah. Debbie, just like so sleazy, <laughs> but he, he's he's so like, hey, like he even says it like you got to you got to plant a lot of seeds. And yeah. so, and then you got to, you just got to come back and water him every once in yeah. a while. And that's what he's doing. Like yeah. he's, he, he's, that's always... his runner is that he planted a seed with her and he's just going to keep coming back and watering that plant yeah. just every once in a while. There's a part of the very end where like, like Catherine Hyde goes like screaming bloody murder in the delivery room and Jason Siegel's like, well, gynecology is more of a hobby, but I'm guessing that by were screaming, she's crowning. And those guys like, yep, no, that's right. She's crowning. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You. I think you still get a lot of like Apatow the sitcom writer in this because like you really are just watching these characters hang out Mm -hmm. Uh, for better or for worse. There were like moments like uh, the scene, the the Cholo on on Easter. I think that riff kind of goes on like 30 seconds too long. Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, Mostly because Gabe Ruth isn't half as funny as either of those guys think that it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, totally. Cause that, that happens a lot too, where, um, that's not a great example because the, the, the thing that they end on isn't a good joke, mm-hmm. but like a lot of times with like these riffs, right. They will, they have to keep all the stuff that isn't so good in the middle to as connective tissue to like the one good joke to the second good joke. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, Cause and then, like a, a... and then you just get like a 30 second, like the. Uh, like something that starts with a good joke, a lot of nothing, and then another good joke. Yeah. 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 Like a lot of like uh, the friends, the friend group, it's a lot of like you go, you go, then you go, then you go. Like, yeah. You know, for every like coked out Martin Scorsese. <laughs> yeah. There's like a modest Yahoo. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, that was my first concert, yeah. Modest Yahoo. <laughs> was it? Yep. <laughs> So I was I remember being the only one to laugh at that back in 07. <laughs> um yeah. All right. So my five act structure thing. Great. Yeah, let's hear it. 
Still, still present. Oh, still, cool. still, still ever present. Because um, you have so so Act One of this is, you know, meeting uh, uh, Ben and uh, Catherine Heigl. Uh, mm-hmm. What's her name? Allison. Um, Allison. Yeah, meeting uh, uh, Ben and Allison separately, and then her getting like her promotion thing, going out to celebrate, and and the one night stand, right? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of. I think it ends in the morning because like that's the shift is like they wake up and she's like, oh, I've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so then that's that's the breakfast is act two that starts with act two. And then you go to the eight weeks later and that whole thing, I think, basically leading up to her telling him that she's pregnant um, and it'd be like, uh, OK, I guess we'll figure this out. Right. Boom, that's the end of Act 2. Right. The um, moment on the phone where he's have, like, I'm in. Yeah. And then you have um, Act 3, which I think includes, like, um, no, I think I think the I think the I'm in is actually, like, that. that's part of Act 3. Oh, okay. Because I think Act 3 is all about trying. Trying. We're gonna, yeah, we're, we're going to try to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where you get the proposal. Um, and, and, you know, them shopping for things and all of that stuff. But then I think that act ends with the earthquake. Okay. And her seeing the baby books. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, a earthquake happened even before the, even before the earthquake, the night was fucked, but right. Earthquake happens. He runs out with his bong before checking to see right. if Allison's okay. Right. Real the, force majeure moment. Yeah. <laughs> Real proto-force majeure. Yeah. And then Allison finds the baby books under the sink with the receipt still in. Right. Uh, great moment. I think that, yeah. I think that sequence brings us into Act 4, which is all about the breakup and about, like, the lowest moments for everybody. Yeah. And so you get the breakup in 4. You get, yeah, you get the baseball, uh, fantasy baseball. You get the breakup. You get Vegas. Yep. You get the you guy. Get, the guys um, and the girls team up and go on their separate little mini sodes. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and then uh, I think four ends with the post, um, with, with the with the party, the party, yeah. the the cholo and the hero being like, no, this isn't gonna work, and then him being like, hey, fuck, <laughs> fuck you, man, you you ruined everything, and walking away, and then him being like, happy, happy birthday. <laughs> That got, I think that was my biggest laugh yeah. in the whole movie. It was impeccable. It was unbelievable. Because right, he, um, he really, he really takes it. He really like receives everything that Rogan like threw at him, and then he's like, "Okay, I'm a dad. Like, gotta." <laughs> yeah, um, and then five is like is Ben getting his shit together, getting an apartment, getting a job, doing mm-hmm. all that, and then the labor. I yeah. think uh, is is the final is is Act Five, right? Because so, yeah, cause- it's still there. Definitely. That's that's amazing because it feels very Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. Like just even the little escapades that like Debbie and Allison and, and Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen go on. But then you're right when she's in the delivery room like that is a whole set piece. Yeah. And it was uh, uh, Apatow had a lot of ambitions for that. I mean, we mentioned the the live birthing thing that he thought about and lost Anne Hathaway for. Um, <laughs> but like. There were cuts of this movie that were even more intense and like, you know, the umbilical cord being wrapped around the baby's neck. Um, yeah. Like he really wanted to show the reality and like the anxiety and the 
the terror that can happen in a delivery room. I don't like, I think, I think some of this happened in real life, like the scary, well, yeah. like they'll, we'll get to it. The altercation with the doctor is actually like pretty much something that happened to them. Oh, wow. Um, but like, yeah, like the hospital, it's not an afterthought. Like it's, it, the movie stays there for a, a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God. Ken, Ken Jeong. Remember when Ken Jeong was just a guy? Fucking crushes it. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, so this was his debut acting role. Yeah. He was... Because he was a doctor, a real doctor before this. Yeah, real doctor, stand-up comedian, and right. somehow ended up in Allison Jones, the casting director's inbox, and this was Dr. Ken's first time acting. In the commentary, uh, they said they had to cut... He was so funny, like, his riffing, his improving. That they had, and he was like, "Oh, we had to cut all of this because it doesn't. It made it feel like a comedy, right?" And, and what's really cool about Doctor the Doctor Ken sequence is, I remember watching this for the first time and thinking, like, "This that was a real dude, like a doctor." Yeah, because he's yeah. like not funny, but he's still like, man, that moment. Um, so that 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 like literally happened to Jed Apatow. That moment in the hallway where. Dr. Ken is chilling out. He's like chewing out Seth Rogen and then his stomach gurgles. Uh huh. And like that was the moment where the doctor was like, oh, this dude's about to like shit his pants. Yeah. <laughs> but like his moment, where he's like, this is good. I think we're bonding. Like that's a real like moment. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. It's really, really good. Um, Yeah. No, I love all that. Uh, Adam Scott as the nurse. <laughs> Oh yeah, what did um, you? What because it, it's a very cameo like that head that that turnaround he does. Yeah, no, it was it was really odd because I guess it took me out of it for a second because it's like her name is Allison Scott and I was like and now there's Adam Scott and oh, it's very yeah. yeah I really like I don't know like, um, I, I I felt like I could see the Matrix code for a second or something. Who was the biggest <laughs> surprise for you and Bethany? Like that popped up. Um, Harold Ramis hit me like a sucker punch. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, yeah, that got me. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's so lovely. It's such a lovely, that's another scene that just really feels like you're watching like a, a, a dad and son interact. Yeah. Yeah. That one, that one hit me like a sucker punch. I think the, the one that got uh, like the biggest reaction from us was either Bill Hader or um, Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson was a big one. Because yeah. I, I forgot that was him in this. Yeah. And yeah. he's like so svelte in right. this movie. It's He's like unrecognizable as Craig Robinson. Yeah. Even like Pineapple Express, he already kind of, or even like The Office, he just looks yeah. more like that burly, lovable, like, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah. Very... He just gets, he gets a little huskier. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's great. I mean, yeah, the, the that turn where he's just like levels with Debbie. It's like, look, I got like oh, fucking man. hate this job. Oh man. Oh, uh, speaking of trivia, and maybe maybe you already know this, but mm-hmm. do you know who played uh, the the lap dancer that? Uh, yes, that <laughs> we we forgot to bring her up last week. Oh, she was in the last movie too. She is in the forty year old version as well. Oh wow. Uh, Interesting. Scott is referring to Stormy Daniels. Yep, plays one of the strippers that uh, performs performs uh, with with uh, with uh, Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd when they go to Vegas. 
Yeah, the the one that earns the line, uh, that's how you get pink eye. Um, <laughs> Which is, apparently was improv, and is like, Apatow was like, that's one of the greatest things you've ever come up with, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's pretty good for improv, because it's like a callback to a scene they either had or had not shot yet. Right, yeah, like it's a good connective tissue improv. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Stormy Daniels, if I'm not mistaken, was the porn that Andy is watching that he tries to jerk off to, but then he switches to Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah. That was like, I think there was a fake porno, and Stormy Daniels was like the actor in that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. They learned the um, lesson yeah, early. Star Wars parody thing. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, yeah. not into this. <laughs> yeah, I would rather watch Everybody Loves Raymond. They mentioned this in the commentary of like, mm. yeah, like adult adult film stars are like, they're actors, <laughs> you know, like, and they, yeah, they're really comfortable. Nudity is like, if you were to cast like, quote, like a, a traditional actor, nudity is like this big, huge albatross of like, oh, we have to, do. but like, if this is their perspective is like, if you hire an adult actor, they're like, oh, I just have to be nude. I don't have to do anything or have anything done to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah that's yeah that makes sense um plus they get their sad card right yeah residuals yeah so like in this scene they're like oh we could like yeah let's just hire adult film stars that know like are like no stripping and being a you know whatever like they can just do this and like rudd and rogan will just like sit there yeah um yeah but yeah stormy um, daniels the woman who brought down a president <laughs> fingers crossed fingers crossed um Fiber <laughs> um, recording. Uh, uh, yeah, it's um, uh, so there's that. Uh, there was a few uh surprising people that showed up too. That mm-hmm. like as themselves. Like I wasn't expecting. I had forgotten that James Franco was in this, but I was like, oh, okay, well that makes sense. That's mm-hmm. like that's like putting Steve Carell in the movie. <laughs> you know, it's like a, Steve Carell. It's it is kind of the mirror Carell because. Carell's cameo in this is almost like a victory lap of like, mm-hmm. remember this guy? He's a big star now, but he was in he was in our last movie, right? With James Franco, I was watching in the commentary. They're like, you know, people don't know this, but James Franco is really funny. Oh wow! So yeah, because yeah. this is like pre Pineapple Express and everything. They literally draw, and you're going to find out next summer in Pineapple Express that James Franco is really funny. So his cameo in this was a big like, whoa! James Franco's got like comedic timing and shit. Yeah, wow. Um, wild. Uh Andy Dick threw me for a loop. That one Yeah. That one was like uh, wow, really? Andy Dick? Well, yeah, it's a bummer because it's like, you know, he well he he gropes Katherine Heigl. Right. So it's like and which is like a very Andy Dick thing. Yeah. That's that's the that's the kind of guy he is. And so it kind of stuck in my craw a little bit because uh, you know Andy Dick would go on to be in Love on Netflix, right. produced produced by Judd Apatow, and right, right. That was at the time that, for lack of a uh, of a better you know for timing's sake, Andy Dick got me tooed, and right. all of the 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 heinous shit that he's done throughout his life while struggling with yeah. addiction. And right. Apatow did the kind of like, I'm severing ties or, you know, Andy. And it's like, you filmed him d- d- groping Catherine Heigl. And it was, it was just, and you yeah. know, like, it's, you know, th- this movie has not aged perfectly. 
No, that that one in particular um, is weird because it's also like. It, it, it was a weird thing where like Andy Dick was just one of those guys who could just do that. And it was part of his... be like, oh, Andy, Andy. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it, it would be it would feel dishonest to not bring this up. But, you know, James Franco would mm-hmm. the same thing where right. Seth, Seth Rogen had to be like, I'm not making movies with him anymore. I support believe hashtag support believe hashtag right. good hashtag sure. good now. And yeah, uh, actually, you know, Charlene Yee uh, was asked to be cut from the, they were in the disaster artist. And oh, like, hey, I didn't fucking know. I don't know. You cut me from this. And they're like, no, we'll we'll give you a bigger part. They're like, it's the opposite of what I want. I want to be there more. Yeah, I don't. And so, yeah, no wow. longer working together. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, And then uh, I guess they'll take us all the way back to the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Seacrest was pretty good in this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Apatow said. That I was surprised he, that he like went so hard on like his persona. Oh yeah, he said. Uh, Apatow said that he loved it. He was like literally yell anything out, I'll say it because he just got the joke of he's just like he's so fucking busy. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love that. <laughs> uh, man, remember Jessica Simpson? Yeah, she cameos in this. She she kind of makes a. a yeah, and, she and does. She like walks walks down the red carpet or whatever. Mm-hmm. She doesn't say anything or interview get interviewed or anything. But, nope. Yeah. Uh, I have right. a question. I have a game a we can play. Uh, yeah. What is the as a, as a thirty something man? Mm-hmm. What is the scariest stomach dropping thing that Ben says? For me, oh. I think it's when he says he has like nine hundred bucks left in his account from the. When he got hit by a bus, so he's like, "I'm not a mathematician, but I think that could last me like a couple years." Yeah, yeah. I mean, that one was just like, "Oh, I, I don't even know. No way in Los Angeles." Uh, what I say, I, I, I think this is the same scene. I say I eat a lot of spaghetti a lot. <laughs> sure, I'm not sure. poor, but I eat a lot of spaghetti. Yeah, <laughs> not poor. No, you are <laughs> nine hundred dollars. <laughs> Oh man, and like, yeah, the flesh of the stuff. Uh, yeah, when you realize that's all they do is just work on this website, and like that is so. So, I have mixed feelings about that because I love that it amounts to nothing because someone else had already beat them to it, and yeah. they're too much of idiots to look up to see if anyone had yeah. thought of their idea before. Oh, Mr. Skin. Um, yeah, I I love that. I love that Paul Rudd just knows it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> um but uh so i so i love that but there's also like parts of it that i that i do like because i like that allison is absolutely disgusted by the site when she when he tells her about it Mm -hmm. the night after the day the morning after but then like once they're like a couple and they're together there's that great scene where she's like like boobs, boobs and bush, bush and ass. Bush. Like and, yeah. yeah, and like oh, it's Carrie. Calls watching, him in yeah. there. Yeah, they're watching Carrie. Um, and, oh. and he brings him in there, and he's like, "Oh, that's good. You don't get that oh, within the bush. opening of the movie." Yeah, yeah, you don't get that. Um, and like she's like, you know, trying to. She's like supporting his yeah his endeavor. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's um, like, "You're," and it, it. I guess it speaks to like her patience and right. But again, it comes from nowhere. It's just she just has it. 
she just right. is understanding of 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 Ben's right. bullshit. Right. Um so, you know, <laughs> yeah, I just wish it was I wish it was something else, but also oh yeah, it fits you with know, what's you, going on. You know, and again And it, and and most importantly, it fits that you would need that many people working on it. Right. Yeah. Because it's like a database, right? That mm-hmm. you're that you're creating and um, it makes sense that it would take a long time to put together, even with that many people working on it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes sense that they would easily get distracted and not be constantly watching movies for nudity. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah. I relate to this, you know, of, like, being in your – trying to get a creative project together, whether it was, like mm-hmm. – you know, with my friends, it was always, like, some movie or short film that we were trying to get off the ground. But it was it would just devolve into us, like, smoking pot in a living room. And just like making each other laugh, and we would always forget to do the work part, right? Right, because you just had all, you had all this time and energy to like light your boxing gloves on fire and like box each other in the filthiest in- water. I think that might be the the thing that made me like mm. crawl out of my skin the most as a thirty as a uh, almost forty year old when- is like watching them fall into that nasty, yeah, dead water. I just, this movie's really made me th- th- both these movies and probably going forward has really made me think about like how slipstream youth is like there's a moment where uh they're coming out from the morning after Allison and, and Ben and Paul Rudd is like getting the kids in the van and he's like ah youth <laughs> yes <laughs> and it's only like about 10 years of difference of age you know like Rudd's yeah. in his 40s you know, well, these guys are in their 20s and 30s, but so much life happens to you in this period. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's I, I was thinking about this and I, I think that because they say this is 40 and I think they both turn 40 in that movie. OK. Yeah. So I think they're like in their 30s at okay. this point. They're Horrible. like they're like I think they might be younger than I am. <laughs> I, I, I just tend to overshoot with Rudd. Sure. Sure. Yeah, because that's his thing yeah. is that he doesn't age. Um, right, right, of course. Yeah, everyone's a little bit because, like, uh, uh, in the New York Times article, they they list the Apatow's age as of 07 is thirty nine. So it's like, oh shit, he wasn't that much older than Ben when he became a father. You know, right? Somewhere around his mid twenties. Right. right. Yeah. Man. Um. Yeah. Uh. Just. Moments I love, uh, please. Yeah, I wanna. I I, I uh. So I want to talk about. I want to talk about my favorite scene in the movie, mm-hmm. um, which is the. Uh, I want to see Spider Man. Oh my god! Um, because yeah. it is the acting that Leslie Man. Because like that's the that's the magic of Leslie Man, and I think that's the thing. I think I referred to this a little bit last week, where like. Leslie Mann and, and Judy Greer are probably in a lot of the same casting offices, you know, mm-hmm. throughout their careers. And I think that the thing that separates them as like the ex-wife or whatever is that Judy Greer never breaks your heart the way that Leslie Mann can. Yeah. Like Leslie Mann can be that sort of like shrewy, sort of like naggy picking like nitpicky kind of like ex-wife current wife whatever but then she can twist that into 
something that will absolutely devastate you. Yeah. In a way that I don't think Judy Greer can. I it's not in the same way. Like, um well cuz like the, the the magic of that scene and like they of course they they shot a version where she just tears Pete like a new asshole. Yeah. Like they tried that and then we got the scene that we saw where it it's like an anti fight cuz like Ben and Allison have their fight coming up. And so right. this is something much worse than a fight. It like breaks Debbie's heart. Yeah. That uh, that that like Pete goes off to have fun secretly without her and the kids. He needs to go escape. And like the line that breaks right. my heart is she's like, I need to escape. Right. Like I'm, I need alone time too. And it like, he sees it as like a package deal. Like this kind of like, Oh no, I'm my own. But yeah, like the vulnerability that she shows of like, right. I'm fucking. And th- that he yeah. keeps it a secret so that she can't have her alone time. Only he gets his alone time mm-hmm. to the point where like, she thought he was having an affair. Yeah. Um, and um, I also the moment. like there's also yeah. the, there's also this aspect of it. The part that's breaking her heart, I think the part that like really just ugh, melts me is that bit where she's saying, I want to see Spider-Man. Like, why didn't you go with me? I want to see Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man. And it's the fact that like she has had it in her mind this whole time or at least for a long time, mm. that she was married to her best friend. And the realization that her husband doesn't see her the same way. She sees him as an obligation. He sees Debbie as an obligation. Yeah. like And, the, not, the, and, and something to get away from. The wife and kids. Right. I have to and get away from the wife her, and kids. Yeah, it doesn't see her as a partner and a best friend the way that she sees him. Yeah. And... You know, and it's also I think there's also that 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 aspect of her being relieved. I know that she says like this is somehow worse, but I think she is relieved that she he's not actually cheating on her. That that he has not crossed that line. Yeah. And based on what he's doing with his free time, probably never will. Um <laughs> but but uh, well, because he's because uh, she's so for the for like up to this point in the movie, that's her thing. Like I fucking I love that moment where she like turns on whatever tracker that she uses. Yeah, and she's like, let's see, you try and outrun me now, little man. Like <laughs> right, right. She's like but waging think- a war. She thinks she's like, I'm gonna catch him on a fucking oh, like, uh, yeah, motherfucker. And then it's like, oh no, this is I wasn't prepared for this kind of betrayal, and it just wrecks her. Yeah, because it's also like, I think deep down there's a part of her that is like, well, of course he's cheating on me. We never have sex. You know, I'm never in the mood. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, that absolutely makes sense. There's a hole that I'm not filling in his life. He's going to go fill it somewhere else. Not realizing that the hole that he's filling is friendship. Is friendship. Yeah. Yeah. And, man, I've I've been thinking about this for a off my just in life and- but Pete says something that drives me up a wall, even as a guy. I can only imagine if I was on the receiving end. But, like, what do you want me to say? Yeah. Drives me insane. Yeah. Because, and it says kind of so much about what guys, like, men arguing. Because, like, what do you want me to say means that your goal is I just want you to stop being mad. Yeah. Just tell me the magic thing that I can say. It'll make you stop being mad so I can keep, like, 
playing baseball and smoking weed. We're doing whatever I want to do. And right. the frustration is like, I want you to, and she says like, I want you to feel this. I want you to process what's happening and just like, like know why this is hurting me. Like, right. I don't want you to say anything. I want you to feel something. Yeah. And I guess like, that's why I get so defensive about this character being like characterized as like a shrew or anything, because it's like, she's so, she's so well-rounded. She wants, you know, yeah. she wants stuff. She's so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, without losing any of her edge, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I think that's the difference. I think that's the difference with Judy Greer is that if she plays vulnerable, she does lose her edge. Like she, I feel like Judy Greer can't play both of those things simultaneously. Um, and, and there's something about Leslie Mann where she absolutely can, um, not to like denigrate <laughs> Judy Greer, uh, you know, someone I, I like an actress that I fucking love right, uh, good, to yeah. pieces. Yeah, but it, it's just it's a different. She plays a different vibe. Like, and I'm sure there's complex things that she does that, you know, I'm not thinking of right now because we're not watching a movie starring Judy Greer. But um, it's just <laughs> the only actress comparison that I can think of. Sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like someone like like an actress who rides that line between like supporting character and like star like kind of back right. and forth. Yeah. Where like Judy Greer could have played Leslie Mann's part in Big Daddy and and you know and Leslie Mann absolutely could have played Judy Greer's part in uh 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 Jurassic. 13 going on 30. Oh, 13 going yeah. on 30. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, has she ever played just like a like a dick, just like an asshole? I don't I probably. Yeah. She's but yeah, she's, probably. Um yeah. And then, like, but what's really that that scene of like the 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 the, the anti fight, you know, Debbie's heartbreak mm-hmm. is later when we go to Vegas, and the guys do mushrooms. It hits Pete, like at the oh, okay. Well, hey, we could break it. Okay, hey, like there are five kind different kinds of chairs in this hotel room. The, that fucking that slayed in theaters. I remember. Yeah. And then just freaking here? get what, what are they doing here? Get them out of here! I don't like looking at them. Get them out of here! I don't like them. They're making me feel weird. Oh, <laughs> uh, and he's watching Cheaper by the Dozen. He's like, "This isn't funny. That's not a comedy. <laughs> it's too many kids. Too many kids. I'm getting stressed out." Uh, <laughs> but they have that moment, and I think it's kind of Rogan doing the most acting he could do at the time, and because like he's gotten so much better. But like when Rudd has that breakdown where he's like. Debbie's my biggest problem is that Debbie wants me around all the time. Yeah. Like that's it. She just she loves me too much and I can't accept it. Like something's wrong with me. Yeah. And it's like we've all I we've all been there in some way of feeling like is there something wrong with me where I can't accept the love that is in my life. Yeah. But it's like really But it's funny. also It's also yeah, but it's also Paul Rudd uh Paul Rudd's character what is his character's name Pete Pete right it's Pete realizing that that the like he's like why why does she like she loves me so much and wants me around i i i there there must be something wrong with me that i don't want that but i think that he's realizing that there's always been a part of him that has resented that he made the responsible choice <laughs> and has never has never let that wall drop. Yeah. The, that one final wall drop 
Um, he just has never done it. Like he's like, I, I lost my youth. I've had two kids now. And like, I just, I, I lost all of this stuff that I'll never get back. And so all of these moments of him going out on his own, it's not even that he's looking for friendship. It's almost like he's just looking for like his youth again, but not in like a sports car, like, you know, banging a secretary kind of way. Yeah. It's just in a, like, I, I, I want to be able to go see a Spider-Man movie and, and all, all these things that I'd be able to do if I didn't have kids. If I was Seth Rogen on. <laughs> right. And knocked up. Seth Rogen on the oh, Kelly Clarkson yeah, show. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, yeah, I could just yeah. do whatever I want. Get eight hours of sleep. And I never have to go to Legoland. I never have to, like, wear a funny plastic crown. I can just yeah keep. I couldn't get. I couldn't decide if the, the 2000s fashion is once again, like, on full display in this movie. Yeah. Um, if. If you ever find there's your- a pair of there's a fucking pair of cargo shorts that that uh, Pete wears oh, on his yeah. way to Legoland, and yeah. I'm like those things they were like down to his shins. Yeah, um, it was insane. I was like, wow. If yeah. uh, listener, if you ever find yourself stranded back in 2007 and you need to blend in, just get a long pair of cargo shorts, uh, any kind of graphic tee, and then a dress a wrinkled dress shirt over it. Yep. Yep. Yep, all day. Absolutely. Yep. And then and like uh vans. And vans. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, that happens with like that couples with like Pete or with Debbie and, and Allison going to the club and like Leslie Mann's breakdown of like, oh my God, my youth is over. I it's so sad. She's like, I just want to dance. I'd love dancing, but like mm-hmm. now I feel self conscious because I'm old. And right. It's like something that like I think we can both relate to of like this feeling of like we're both young, like objectively, but we have this feeling of like, no, it's over. I can't do all this anymore because yeah. now I have to like be an adult or like now I'm old and but gross. But also I don't want to. And also you don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. But I didn't get my youth like taken, you know, quote unquote, taken away from mm-hmm. me by like, you know, getting someone pregnant or yeah. whatever. So like. Yeah. Well, because like that, what we're talking about comes in full display during like that just uh, like humiliating skin crawling scene where drunk Paul Rudd and drunk Seth Rogen just double team back and forth about like, oh, yeah, like, you know, as soon as like as soon as I found out that I was going to be a dad, it's like, boom, I can't do this. I can never go to Amsterdam or I can never go to India. And Debbie's like, go to India. I don't fucking care. Go. (laughs) Yeah. You want to go to India? I don't. It was just an example. (laughs) Like, what have you not been able to do, dipshit? Right. Like, what have I stopped you from doing? (laughs) Right. Right. And and doubly also not for nothing, but they seem pretty well off. I'm sure they could. Yeah. I'm sure they could drop those two kids with like her parents or his parents, and then go on vacation for a while. Absolutely. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You get the sense that. Pete's like an A and R guy for like a major record yeah. company, right? Which we'll learn more about in This Is Forty. Which I I know I know we're watching Funny People next week, but god damn it, I'm so fucking pumped <sighs> to watch This Is Forty. I I just want a whole movie of Pete and Debbie. Yeah, oh, uh, I can't wait. Where's this going um, next? Yeah, yeah. Also, I don't know if you remember this, but was the start. Of I I believe the start of the Melissa McCarthy comedy star, I think Bridesmaids was like a little bit before. I think it was like is that right? I think it was 2011. 
because yeah, I saw that oh, with okay. I saw that with Fast Five. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but this is definitely she definitely has one of those really oh big yeah riffs the oh. the like I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna put this into this and I'm gonna yeah here's what I'm gonna do yeah it's um, one of the things that I remember the most about this is forty I think that might be the funniest part of this is forty and like funniest right yeah because this is kind of um um going into looking forward into funny people and whatnot I think what makes this like maybe his best movie knocked up is it rides that line between being really introspective and honest and messy, Mm -hmm. but still being like a big barn burner crowd pleaser comedy. Yeah. I don't think he ever gets the equation this perfect again. No. And he, he tries to recreate sections of this movie throughout his career. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the big friend group in the, in the slum. (laughs) In yes. the slum house uh, that he does in uh, in in King of Staten Island, right? right yeah, the scumbag yeah, friend group. Kinda, yeah, scumbags friend group. Absolutely, um, just riffing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he doesn't. Have, it always feels like too the riff sessions put the plot on pause going forward. Yeah, where it's like there's a they, there's a momentum to this somehow, even like in the yeah. riffing. Right, right. Um, yeah, he doesn't ever quite get the magic back. This was, I, th- I think you might be right. I think this might be, this might be his most like complete movie. I don't know if it's gonna end up still being my favorite by the time we get to the end. You yeah. know, um, maybe it'll be the bubble. Who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> uh, but um, I think you're right. I think it is like. It is sort of like, it feels like the platonic ideal Judd Apatow movie. Yeah. Well, they'll just be like throwaway. Like, what is it when they're playing, when they're watching the kids play in the playground and Paul Rudd's like, I better go play with the kids so I can tell Debbie that I did. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or just a little like that is. See, he's not even willing to lie to her. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Like, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah. It's such a weird kind of like resentful loyalty. Yeah. Uh, something they brought up in the commentary that was kind of like an accident is like post Vegas is the birthday party and mm-hmm. Pete and Debbie are just cool. And yeah. Apatow is like, that's kind of how it is though. Where like you have this big blowout fight and you leave and you storm out. And then without even really making up, you just kind of both want to return to that normalcy and routine. So you you just kind of do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. Part of me also just thinks that they did have a conversation off camera because, like, oh, he sure. had a lot of like realizations. That's true. <laughs> yeah, about like, <laughs> oh man, there's such a great moment where like they're both high on mushrooms, right? And Seth Rogen's like, "Oh, and the fucking baby books." And Rudd's like, "You didn't read the baby books?" Like, yeah. And he's like, well, then it's real. And he's like, "Dude, <laughs> it, it's real. Trust me, that baby's coming." And I'm like, "Yeah, you are still." You do have like a few years on this guy. Yeah. Like even yeah. you have grown up in ways that you can't, you know. <laughs> yeah. Also <laughs> the 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 Cirque du Soleil sequence is so funny cuz I love that they're they're little mystery science theater <laughs> riffs where yeah. they're like they're like, "Oh, what's this guy going to do?" And then like he's then like <laughs> they'll be like 
Whoa! And then, and then, and then, they're like, this guy's at work right now. <laughs> what did you do? To- I looked at my brother. <laughs> uh, that's also kind of Shakespeare. There would be moments where they would just, we're just going to make fun of this other play that's happening. <laughs> yeah. Man. Uh, yeah, man. I I had a lot of I had a lot of fun revisiting this one. I think I yeah. think it's there's a timelessness to it now that it's like, you know, 15 years old. Yeah. 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 Um so this is 40 sequel, right? Exploring right. Pete and Debbie, Ben and right. Allison do not make an appearance. I Right. I don't think they're even mentioned. Like may I don't know if there's like oh they moved to Oregon or something. I don't know. I'm sure they they have to have mentioned them, right? <laughs> I that's, yeah, that seems crazy. I would how how would okay? Well, I, I have two questions. One of the two of us, you are you are the one that is married. Yes, I was there. I saw it happen. <laughs> you made it happen. I, I made it happen. <laughs> Me by the by by the by the, power by the law of the Universal yeah. Life Church. Yeah. Uh, yeah, me and only God had a closer seat than I, <laughs> uh, did, did this ring true? Did this hit, this hit different being a married man? Like you weren't in 2007? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, because, because Pete and Debbie were an afterthought when I saw it in 2007, like mm-hmm. it was like, oh yeah, you know, like they're in this too, I guess. Um, but this guy, and, and even then, like I, I liked her scene about like, you know, I want to go to Spider-Man. Like I, I liked that and it made me feel sad, mm-hmm. but I didn't really like, I didn't have any sort of like, I don't know. You know, you, you couldn't relate to it on a one-to-one level or like, right, 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 right. Um, and yeah, that's that's all different now. Uh, now I I have like I look back at I look I feel like Paul Rudd being like ah youth yeah for sure like I remember this you know like, stupid what, and aimless yeah you look at Penn and Allison I'm like yeah yeah <laughs> um but but you know I'm I I I'm so hyped to watch uh, uh this is forty and and it's it's because of like how much. I like related to those characters mm-hmm. more than anything else. Um, um, oh, uh, uh, Allison kicking Ben out of the car. Uh, that, yeah, that really happened. Oh, where one time they just got yeah. in a really big fight because like Judd Apatow was just being like a snarky asshole, and Leslie Man was like, "Get, get, get the fuck out of the car! Like, when you get out of the car." Yeah, it's like okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't even know where I am. Yeah. Uh, Gary Shandling gave Judd Apatow a book. That included this piece of wisdom that I think kind of uh, equalizes or resonates with the philosophy of this movie, which is that you have to, as a man in a relationship, and again, this is kind of like heteronormative man-woman relationship. Um, sure, sure, sure. But a man's job in a rela- a woman's a woman's emotions are like waves. You, they they'll hit you. And kind of rock you around, but then eventually they're just going to hit the shores and dissipate and another one's going to come. Uh-huh. And you kind of just have to be like, okay, she's really pissed right now, but it's, I just kind of, I don't know why, but okay, cool. And now she's happy and I just, you just kind of have to like be there and be present and just mm-hmm. let it kind of let the feeling come and go and no, don't get too like, but uh, 10 minutes ago you were this way. I don't get it. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's, 
it's it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's solid. It's really it's solid. I I think that if there's you know, if there's anything that you can say about it is like I, I think so far, I think with both movies there isn't really you know, he's not a thematic filmmaker. He everything is very like on the surface and it's it's right there. I mean, there's interesting stuff you know, happening, mm-hmm. but it is like people saying what they're feeling out loud, you know, and, and then, you know, changing the way that they feel, um, from the beginning to the end of the movie. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, so I'll be interested to see how that changes with like something like funny people, which is a little more, it's I, I, a little more like, like quote unquote cinema than, Sure. These two. You know, we have yeah. you have Janusz Kaminski as DP. Uh right. the movie's even longer than Knocked Up, even more dramatic and right. more willfully like not a crowd pleaser. Yeah, I remember it being uh, a disappointment for for most most of my friends like really hated funny people. Mhm. Cuz um, like this is such like a this is like, you know, everybody loves Raymond gets gets a shout out. And yeah, it has that same kind of like universality to it. Whereas right. funny people is about like a rich asshole that's like burned all of his bridges and might be fundamentally unlikable. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> I'm excited. Funny people is kind of his last movie that really felt like a personal event in my life. Mm. As like a comedy nerd like in high school and like following sure. movies and stuff um it's kind of it's weird that that reminded me of like bill Hader in this movie uh yeah he you know the editing built the room that they're working in that is where bill Hader worked as an ae on the surreal life oh interesting wow that he had a really good adr joke oh yeah where where he was like on on the phone and she's like he was like he's like yeah I, I that's what I said I said she might be pregnant uh, what does she look like she looks like somebody who just realized that she might be pregnant it's kind of the first big laugh of the movie yeah oh that's man great. it's so good I mean like we could we could we could be here all day because like Bill Hader with without Bill without you know Bill Hader you know without this you don't get Barry. Right. But Adam Scott, Severance. Right. Seth Rogen, The Boys. Yeah. Catherine Heigl, 27 uh, Dresses. Yeah. Uh, BJ Novak, that, that movie about a podcaster in Texas. Right. About, um, about well, Texans, but I'm from New York. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah. Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, pretty, the chicken. Pretty good. Yeah, right. Tight, tight, tighter, tight, tighten, tight. Uh, Tammy Sager, um, Im- improv legend, as like the costumer that's the first one to find out that Allison's pregnant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah. Just a lot of oh, also, uh, shout out to uh, uh, Maude Apatow, who's so fucking funny in this movie. Oh, yeah. Her um, her riff, her like absurdist like riff about where babies yeah. come from. Yeah. And and then she's like, You're exactly right. 
It's so good. And she's like obsessed with blood and death. Oh, yeah. Which is like a very like kid thing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I I was wrong. Bill Hader doesn't get the first big laugh of the movie. It was like two minutes in where Maude Apatow says that she Googled murder. Yeah. What did you what did you see? Ah, it's just like a bunch of like dead bodies and like blood and stuff. She's like, okay, uh well that wasn't blood, it was ketchup. Anyway, let's <laughs> yeah. uh, talk about something else. Or she just like what she like she just yeets a doll at her sister's head. Yeah. What is... Gosh, I'm excited to see them. I'm excited to see like yeah, how's the family going to like how's that gonna change? Because it's yeah. about five years, I think, between movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I know we mentioned Craig Craig Robinson, but his whole speech to Leslie Mann of like taking her aside and being like, Look, tear that ass up. Yeah. <laughs> but you're old as fuck. <laughs> She's pregnant. <laughs> I can't let you two in here. What, what was the percentage? Like the, the guy said, I can only let like a third, like a third of the people can be black. He said that five five percent, five percent, five percent. He said, which means that for every twenty five white people, I can let in one one, one and a quarter black people. <laughs> She's like, okay, now I feel guilty. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that kind of goes back into you know, all men mean well. Is right in a Judd Apatow movie. This conflict of like doorman, doorman, like it that hits a crescendo, but then commonality is found. And this person is like, hey, I get it. Like, I hate this job, too. Like, you seem really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, I, I almost forgot this, but this was so crazy. I had to bring it up. So uh, this has a the movie has a big like everybody get in here. The gang's all here feel. But there is one member of the gang that missed the train. And his name is David Krumholtz. Bernard the Elf from Santa Claus, Numbers. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He is firmly kind of in this friend group, like, off camera. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> really close friends with Seth Rogen and Judd Apatow. Um, and he was written to be the sixth roommate in the house. His uh, That is wild to think about. So his character's name was Gummy. Because uh-huh. his nickname, Krumholtz's nickname in the friend group is some pe- people call him Crummy. Oh, okay. Uh, but growing up, uh, uh, Maude Apatow couldn't say Crummy, so she would call him Gummy. <laughs> so in the movie, because you know everyone except Seth Rogen has like just their name. Yeah. His name would have been Gummy. And yeah. he was in the movie. It was in the script. They had rehearsals. Uh, and then David Krumholtz was cast as the lead in a Woody Allen movie. And oh. I'll, I'll get to it. And uh, Krumholtz was like, hey, man, like, I just got offered the lead in a Woody Allen movie. Like, I got to take this. And Apatow was like, you're in the movie. We're, we're about to shoot. You're you signed a contract like you're you're in the movie. And he's like, I'm sorry, man. It's, it's Woody Allen. He's my favorite director. I'm, I'm the lead. I got to do this. And Apatow was like, fucking OK, I'll, I'll, re- I'll write you out of the movie. And so goes back and writes Gummy out of the movie. Gummy's gone. And then they shoot it. And they're like, wow, you know what? This actually really works. I don't know what I think this is. I think this was all for the best or they're about to. And then Krumholtz calls Avatar back and he's like, hey, uh, the Woody Allen movie fell apart. It's not happening. It, it's like the first Woody Allen movie. You know, dude shot like 30 movies in 30 years. <laughs> you know, But this was the first Woody Allen movie to just like fall apart. So he's like. 
can I, can you write me back in? And Apatow's like, no, because now I think it works better without gummy. I think six friends, <laughs> six friends was too much. I think five is good. So Kremolt's got written out of the movie. Oh man. And was never in an Apatow movie again. No. Uh, he wasn't in a Woody Allen movie, though, and he had to profusely apologize for it. Well, as as everyone... That's what he gets. That's what he gets. <laughs> so the lesson well, here is what he gets. don't work with a pedophile. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't be... Yeah. No, don't do that. Um, I don't care how much you like his movies. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Bernard. that was... <laughs> Bernard. <laughs> But uh, I learned all that because it was a special feature on the Blu-ray uh, featuring tongue-in-cheek interviews with David Cromwell. So I think everything's fine. I think everything is – they're on good terms. But Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's good. And that's knocked up, everybody. Sure is. Don't even like saying it now. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more than 40-Year-Old Virgin excited to move forward into funny people um another i was gonna say this is la trilogy but then you have but the uh, funny people is his last movie with seth rogan right that's true like not even cameos right no yeah that's wild um yeah i was gonna say this is a lot less la of a movie than 40 year old virgin yeah um i'll be interested to see if if funny people is more or less LA than mm-hmm. um than 40 year old virgin but this is like it it very much feels like okay this is LA but like we're not going to go into it like we're just going <laughs> to so if we want to keep charting our map of Judd Apatow's Los Angeles mm-hmm. a 40 year old virgin mostly shot in like the studio city north north hollywood area um, yeah Going into Knocked Up, Jed Apatow's main goal with location management was like, how, where can I be that I can go home in time for dinner? Mm -hmm. So a lot of this movie was shot in Northridge. Northridge. Okay. I was wondering, I was like, what neighborhood do they live in? Like, I couldn't figure out if it was Orange County or Pasadena or Glendale or what. Northridge. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Northridge. And I'm, I'm guessing... Like, funny people are going to be up in the hills a lot. Right. That's what I was assuming, too. I, I feel like they, they there's a scene, there's a scene or multiple scenes at a Gelson's, right? Yeah. I think that that's like the deli that the Ira works at. Yeah. That's that's a Gelson's, I think, um, which is wild to think about, especially for you. A little for me, because <laughs> when I lived with you, there was the Gelson's right there. But you lived there for like three years. Uh, um, yeah. If you want to hear, like, Nick's. Being a being a dumbass in his twenties, um, I I live very close to a Gelson's, and so me being lazy, I would be like, "Well, I'll just walk to this grocery store every day of my life." Yeah. Instead of driving to a, a much cheaper Ralph's, like two minutes away, I'll just walk to Gelson's. Listeners, if you're not uh, famously a bougie, overpriced yeah. grocery store, yeah. and, you would walk there every day. You wouldn't get groceries. You would get enough for like a day, maybe two. Because I had the le- the least amount of money I've I've had in my life as of time of yeah. recording, but was going to right. like a famously overpriced grocery store <laughs> to get like crackers and sardines and shit. <laughs> yeah. 
Ah, youth. Ah, <laughs> youth. Uh, and then, but then on top of that, outside of the bougie grocery store you went to, you also ordered out for every meal. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was like, it was like DoorDash prices and then Gelson prices for groceries. Just, so it was just like hitting me on all. Yeah. And now, yeah. and I, you were probably thinking like, well, there's not that much of a difference in price in going to the grocery store and ordering yeah, DoorDash. <laughs> it's like, it's cause you go to fucking Gelson's. It's <laughs> even out when I, Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm like, you know, living comfortably, but now I'm like right. cooking. Right. But you're also right next door to a Ralph's now. <laughs> so like, so. I, I keep doing I keep keeping the dream going, baby. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> listeners, don't murder me. Anyway. <laughs> there are a lot of Ralph's in L.A. Not the big of a Yeah, there's a lot of Ralph's in L.A. Um so there's there's quite a few Gelsons. Yeah, that's true. There are. Yeah. So uh, who could say? <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, thank you. Uh, this I'm really I'd be really interested to hear what what y'all's takes on this movie is if you're if you're watching along with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who did you get? I think, mad at? I think this one. I I think this one held up like ninety five percent. Yeah, yeah. Like forty year old virgin was a little like uh, I like some of this. Uh, this is weird. Yeah, you know. But yeah, that was like a that was like maybe like a 60 40 split mm-hmm. of things that held up versus things that didn't. But yeah, this is more like a like a 90 10 or a 95 5. Yeah, like I'm, you know, excited if if I end up being a father, if I end up having kids, I think this will be like a fun movie to revisit when I'm like even closer to Pete and Debbie's age. Yeah, yeah <sighs> for sure. It's only like eight years or nine years. So, well. Maybe a little longer. Maybe closer to Harold Ramis' age. Yeah. Well, funny people next week. Yes. Big, maybe, big. Maybe more Gelson's talk. More Gelson's talk. Well, we'll be talking <laughs> Sandman. Yeah. We'll be talking Aubrey Plaza. We'll be yeah. talking William Sh- Sh- Shakespeare. Oh. Wow, I totally forgot that Aubrey Plaza was in that movie. Mm-hmm. Wow. She's not a very yeah, well-rounded that's, character. Is, that's the thing. That's the thing. Funny People begins the Apatow movies that I've only seen one time in theaters. Right. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. So. Crazy. There you go. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. And then King of Staten Island never came out in theaters. That's true. And it never will. Never will. (laughs) Unless, uh, I don't know. I was going to say if Apatow did that, like, Zack Snyder. Did you see that poster of the Zack Snyder trilogy? Yeah. With the Superman poster or the Superman statue? Yeah. Yeah, so fucking. <laughs> he can do that with King of yeah. Staten Island and the bubble. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't know. I don't know if those two share a an actor. I don't know if they have a common actor. Maybe somewhere. Yeah, it's got to be. It's a Jet Apatow movie. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, yeah, yeah. I've I've no idea who's in the bubble outside of like the main like cast of actors i kind of don't want to look it up i want to go in as blind as possible with the bubble maybe yeah fair enough yeah um all right next week funny people adam sandler the sandman sandman cometh yeah (laughs) all right bye everybody she took a small silver wreath and pinned it onto me she said this one will bring you love I don't know if it's true, but I keep it.
пока.